Welcome to Driving Mobility. If it feels like you're reading about or perhaps even experiencing natural disasters more often than you did in the past, it's because you probably are. Natural disasters, think wildfires, hurricanes, winter storms, drought, and more, are occurring three times more often than they did 50 years ago. How we respond can actually impact the frequency of these events. In the past, mobile units that responded to natural emergencies were powered solely by diesel fuel. They emit carbon dioxide, contribute to climate change, and could potentially lead to additional natural disasters. Michigan-based Sesame Solar is working to change that. The company has introduced the world's first fully renewable mobile nanogrid for natural disaster relief. The units can be used as mobile command centers, medical units, kitchens, and even temporary housing. What's really exciting is that these units can be assembled in minutes once they're deployed. Joining me today to talk about climate change, this groundbreaking technology, and much more is Sesame Solar CEO, Lauren Flanagan. So welcome, Lauren, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Mike, and I'm delighted to be here with you this morning. Clearly, you're a warrior for clean energy and climate tech. I'd love to hear what inspired you to pursue this work. I guess I was always a geek. <laughs> I loved science in school and playing with all kinds of microscopes, telescopes, chemistry sets, remote-controlled airplanes, early audio equipment. I loved all that kind of thing. And I studied philosophy, but I also took some programming classes, but I mainly taught myself the types of things that I've done in my different companies. And that's one of my lifelong mottos is I call it ABL, always be learning. I'm a lifelong entrepreneur and I had one of the earliest software as a service companies. And I've sort of taken some of those ideas and applied that to disaster response. Sesame Solar is actually my fifth company I've started. My sort of epiphany was after Hurricane Katrina was how horribly unprepared we were. And that it was really up to all of us to do something. And that's what's propelled me into trying to find a way to help address these weather disasters. One of the things I love doing most is taking technology and solving thorny problems. So it sounds like you're really tackling some thorny issues here head on. Can you talk about Sesame Solar's mission and the biggest issues the company's addressing? Sesame Solar was founded a little over five years ago, and our purpose is to make mobile renewable power fast to deploy and easy to use, and specifically to meet the needs of extreme weather emergencies. And our goal in creating Sesame Solar was really to stop the dirty cycle, if you will, of diesel and fossil fuels that are being brought to bear after extreme weather events and emergencies like wildfires, hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, and freezes and the like, because that's the status quo today. But actually, those fossil fuels make the problem worse. These extreme weather events, as you talked about, are really due to climate change and the greenhouse gases that we're emitting. So the last thing we need to do after a disaster is to put more particulate in the air and in the water and more carbon emissions. And that was really the problem we set out to solve. That is an awesome goal. And as a serial entrepreneur myself, I understand firsthand that really the key tenant to any business is solving a pain point and solving a problem for people. Can you break down what your nanogrids are and how they work in a disaster environment? Our whole metaphor was always Lego blocks that with some standard components, 
we can make pretty much anything inside the nanogrid, just like a Lego kit can be a fire station or a rocket ship, just different uh, components. And part of what we envisioned at Sesame Solar is more than just power, but it's also what we call the solution inside, which was various types of essential services. They could be medical, they could be communications, they could be clean water, they could be EV charging or retail. There are a lot of things that you can do inside a trailer or a container. The use cases are sort of Maslowian, right? You need water, you need food, you need medicine, you need communications, all these things in addition to power in, uh, in extreme environment. Can you talk about what that solution looks like in an emergency situation? The first thing is that they have to be mobile. That's the key piece is to get the solution there quickly. And then we have a combination of renewable energy sources. So we principally charge from solar power and we have a battery array, LFP batteries is the current technology we're using. And then we have backup power, our new solutions that we introduced earlier this year from green hydrogen where we actually make the hydrogen gas on board our nanogrid and we use that to power a hydrogen fuel cells. So double clicking for a moment on the green hydrogen and maybe people don't realize what a big deal this is, but hydrogen in any format is notoriously difficult to transport. It's manufacturing is also expensive and an arduous process. Can you talk about Sesame Solar's green hydrogen generation and how that works? It's green hydrogen because the solar powers the electrolysis of water, where we split it into hydrogen and oxygen, vent the oxygen, and we dry and compress the hydrogen into low pressure, about 300 PSI, like a, a aerosol can, and then store it in solid state tanks and then as a solid, and then catalyze it to uh, use in the fuel cell. So it's a lot of technology that's usually pretty complex. We're first in the world to put it all together and make it easy to use and fast to deploy. And you don't need to be an expert to do it. We have it all turnkey ready to use so that one person can set it up in about 15 minutes and begin generating power. Because when you're in an emergency, experts aren't necessarily around and you don't have time to do a big detailed installation. People probably aren't going to read a manual under duress. So we had to figure out how you can make it simple. And we also embedded things like augmented reality training into every aspect of the nanogrid that would work even offline. So if you've downloaded it in a prior good timer before you left or you had Wi-Fi, then wherever you are where you may not have that, you would still be able to get access to all the instructional and support videos. So we've talked a lot today about your technological capabilities and how Sesame Solar is a real innovator in the space. Can you, shifting gears for a second, share an inspiring moment during your tenure at Sesame Solar? We were just starting Sesame Solar when Hurricane Maria hit. And so being able to immediately help Island of Dominica and then have an enduring solution that, by the way, a single nanogrid at the clinic used every day is saving 10 tons of CO2 annually. But in talking with the people there that were serving, the whole community came out. The whole community, they helped lay a cement foundation to have a nice slab there. We're doing all solar pumping and, and solar powered filtration. And they were so excited. There was a lot of impact on people's lives. And it's like, okay, this is the purpose that we want to serve. And that's when we had confidence that, you know, not only can we do this, we can actually do many things with this technology from mobile offices, to construction sites, pop-up retail, 
there's actually no end. So these are just the sort of details that make it a holistic solution. How do you foresee solar energy playing a bigger role in the entire energy ecosystem? Well, it's getting more and more, you know, cost effective and costs are, well, I think will continue to be reduced and we'll find more dense form factors and a lot more flexibility in the ways that solar can be delivered. Uh, you know, everything from more windows and more materials that will have solar properties. So I think that that materials aspect of it is very exciting. And I think is just going to go boom. So we are excited about the idea that every aspect of our nanogrids exterior surface could have uh, solar receptors. And so those are things that we're looking at as well as all the other kinds of renewable power, including, as I say, when it makes sense in the location small wind turbine, and then the uh, hydrogen fuel cells. The good thing about the variety of the inputs is, you know, if you're in a wildfire situation or winter snow, the solar is not going to be as effective, but then you just can run on hydrogen, right? And if you have a lot of wind, then you can use the wind power as well to add an additional energy source. So how big are your nanogrids and are they modular? Can you give us some perspective on that? So in terms of size, it varies to the solution that we have inside. So if it's just a mobile office, it's typically going to have, you know, five to eight kilowatt solar array, probably going to have about a 70 kilowatt hour battery storage, and uh, it may not need much in the way of additional backup power. We could do with a, a wind turbine, a small wind turbine, or we can have a small green hydrogen system, like a four kilowatt hydrogen fuel cell. We've talked about all of your capabilities conceptually. Can you share some real world examples and clients that you have and how you've deployed all of this technology from a business perspective? We're serving at Sesame Solar an enormous market. If you were to add it up globally, it's really approaches a trillion dollars or possibly more. Because just looking at the US, Every county in the country that faces emergency weather at some point in the year needs to have at least a few of these nanogrids with essential services to respond if they want to become energy resilient, if they want to you know, stop enhancing and the rate of change of climate change. Our initial focus for the company was in the Caribbean and then on the FEMA territories 4, 6, and 9, which correspond to Hurricane Alley from the Carolinas through to Texas, and then the West Coast with the wildfire season. The Air Force installations are more widespread, but this truly can be global. There's the only thing stopping us from being more global is just we're focusing on rolling out uh, our solutions in a cost-effective way for the size of the organization that we have. But we have some large partners that can take us anywhere. One of our partners is a company called Intersys. We partner with them to their broadband telcos, and they serve North America. And other partners could be in a specific country in Africa, for example. So there's no limit to where we can go. It's a function of having the right feet on the street who know that market. It's important that they're involved as opposed to we just come in and make assumptions. We have major companies like Tier 1 uh, infrastructure telco broadband companies like Comcast and Cox and Charter. And we have local governments. Uh, we have some counties in California and the U.S. Air Force. And we have uh, government, the Ministry of Public Health in Dominica in the Caribbean. So we're solving the problems that they have responding to emergencies, 
So our vision is that we are operating everywhere in the world with partners, either selling our solutions or providing them on a mobile renewable power as a service basis and really slowing the pace that of uh, climate change that's caused by using fossil fuels to address energy needs. Let's talk about the function that you could serve beyond a disaster situation, kind of what value adds you could provide maybe to underserved and underprivileged communities. So it doesn't only have to be for emergency use. It can be used full time as it is in Dominica. After Hurricane Maria, much of the island was destroyed. A lot of roads and power out water was a real issue. So we have a couple of our nanogrids there. One of them is in a remote part of the island called Grand Fon. And it backs up a, a clinic. And they had real problem with water. They were having to do a rainwater capture, boil and disinfect it. And that's how they had to deal with water every day. So we take that rainwater and we do multi-level filtration. And we're able to generate about 130 gallons a day of potable water. Plus, we have a Wi-Fi network for comms because they, they didn't really have reliable communications. The grid was down so often, we're not only the backup power, we're like part of the clinic where... They can daily triage patients. So at Park My Fleet, we're prioritizing grid independence and having off-grid capabilities so that we can charge our fleets irrespective of the weather and whether or not the grid may be up or down. To me, it sounds like if you cluster your nano grids, you could create megawatt level power just by daisy chaining them. Can you talk about what your off-grid just totally independent energy offerings are? So for fleets, the part that we can support would be remote charging if somebody's stranded or support in a remote area, or maybe you want to put them uh, near national parks or places like that where either they don't want to bring in the grid, it's not feasible. And so having a completely off-grid source of charging near parks or recreation or things like that can be a big advantage and also that it can be mobile. So that it might be used for fleet charging, but it could be redeployed for emergency power use in, in an emergency. We just got our Rivian R1T a few weeks ago. And so that's like this sort of the ideal embodiment of our solution. We, we drive it in a, an electric truck and we have, uh, you know, charging on board the nanogrid and we can recharge the, the truck. And once Rivian puts their patch in to have bidirectional charging, then we'll also be able to use the Rivian as a backup battery initially when you first are deploying. And then uh, after everything is, you know, running seamlessly on terms of all the power generation and storage, you can top up the Rivian before you're moving on to the next location. So how many nanogrids have you guys sold? And how many people would you say have you supported and helped with their power needs? We've sold more than 50 nanogrids. And they serve a lot of people at different times. I mean, for example, we were most recently in uh, Fort Myers with our Comcast, one of our customers, had two of our solar nanogrids powering two large 60-foot trailers of toilets, showers, and laundry, and also some Wi-Fi vans. And they were serving 300 people a day approximately for a couple of weeks who were both residents, first responders, and Comcast employees. So it kind of depends on the event. And then we're also making them that are for security and communications. So, for example, if there's a downed aircraft, uh, be an extended mission to recover the black box and the parts and what have you. 
And that could serve uh, a small group of people, but for an extended period. So the answer is it depends for what the use case is. We could be powering, you know, temporary shelter after wildfire or uh, floods. So there, that could be hundreds of people at a time times those different events. And if we interconnect them, it could serve a small community. That's one of the concepts we have in our mobile renewable power is that during the quote fallow time, if they're not cross rented to different agencies, we would put them either on tribal nations or disadvantaged communities and provide power and impact and also you know, recruit from those communities to hire people to assist with the logistics. So the answer is it could be very widespread or it could be limited depending on the need or the situation. Can you talk a little bit about your manufacturing cycles, where you produce, how you produce, where you procure your components from? Yes, uh, most all of our components are made in the USA. There are a few where the raw materials were uh, made in India and final assembly came in the USA, but all of our nanogrids are made in Michigan, Jackson, Michigan at our factory, and uh, all US labor and most all components so there are some in our, we have thin film solar panels where the actual, you know, small circuits were made in India, but they're all put together in the U.S. and we buy it from a U.S. company. And that's great because it's really giving back to the local economy. And the fact that you're manufacturing locally in Michigan allows you to distribute, I would imagine, throughout the United States pretty effectively. Yeah, I mean, I'm from, I'm a native Californian and started all my other businesses uh, except for my funds there. But it's not the best state for manufacturing, in my view. You know, I think it, you've got a lot better manufacturing due to the auto industry in the Midwest and many, uh, many supply chain partners here, which further reduces the carbon footprint because we don't have to ship things so far. Sesame Solar won the 2022 National Infrastructure Innovation Challenge. So first of all, congratulations about that. That's so exciting. Can you Thank tell you. us a little bit more about what that entailed? Yeah, thank you. We're really proud of that award because that's a hard one. One, you know, there was great, uh, great other tech companies, very competitive. But really, it's about being. I think why we were selected is because we're immediately available, right? We can respond to these infrastructure needs today and continue to advance our technology for future needs. So I think that was a, a part is why we won. We had a great panel of Army, Navy, Air Force, and you know, various government agencies that asked a lot of questions about how it was being used and how often and how long it would last, because that's one of the issues. If it's just a diesel generator, it has a pretty short life. But the fact that we can have a long life and a lot of flexibility to various use cases is unique in the market. And that's really what we wanted to bring our complete solutions. And so once you're off grid and it's all self-contained and one person could set it up in 15 minutes, that's really the beauty of our approach is it's instantly operable as opposed to get a permit, you know, get an easement, all of that. The fact that it's mobile, you might have to have permission to put it there, uh, but in an emergency that's typically given. And this will increasingly become mainstream applications. Today we're novel, but it's going to be in the fabric of our country moving forward. The holistic approach that you take to servicing really what's a multi-industry solution just seems like a total home run. 
So thank you so much, Lauren, for joining us. This has been a very, very insightful conversation. I really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Lauren Flanagan of Sesame Solar joining me on the Driving Mobility Podcast. 